Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Necro Thursday. How's it going, Jeff? Going pretty good, man. Tired as hell, but uh, good. Yourself? I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I was a little bit under the weather yesterday. Not Nothing too crazy, but uh, I feel mm. a lot better, a lot more fit today than I did yesterday. No, that's good. I, I think there might be a, a case of COVID or something. There's something going around work, and I'm starting to think maybe I'm in the early stages of it. Uh, a couple of people have been calling out sick or coming in with the sniffles, but nothing too major. Uh, I'm sure I'll be fine. I yeah. hope. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. sure. You know, nowadays it's like it's hard. You know, everyone post COVID thinks it's COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, <laughs> I was just thinking the other day about how everything is just completely normal again. And maybe it's because I live here and mask mandates aren't really as big of a thing. You don't see it as much. Uh, yeah, I was like, man, that was two years of, of masks and staying inside. And now, just like that never happened. It's uh, it's strange. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest with you, though. I still feel like I'm dealing with the kind of like a mental and emotional fallout of being isolated for two years, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that affected everyone. I think that changed everything uh, in the world, you know? It's, yeah. um, you know, it's one of the reasons I live in, in, in Texas, you know, my, uh, the company my girlfriend works for is based out of LA, but they let, they let it work remote, which really wasn't as normal as a thing before COVID. That is kind of cool actually to be able to work remotely mm. for sure. Yeah. Some cool things came. I can't work remotely. You know, I'm a fucking scumbag. You know, I got scumbag jobs. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so you know, not all bad. Anyway, sorry about the COVID tangent, Mike. Uh, what have you been watching? A couple things. I saw Evil Dead Rise in the movie theater. Oh, you did? Yeah. Uh, well, Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll comment it. We'll comment on that when we do the episode on it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, I gotta see it, man. It. Uh, uh, I've literally heard all over the board. Uh, uh, my text from my friends, you know, asking if I've seen it. Um, Two said it was awful, one said it was okay, and one said it was great. So, you know. I'll refrain from giving my full evaluation of it until we talk about it on the show. Let's, let's, that's fair enough, I guess, right? Yeah, I'll be seeing it soon, so we, we'll talk about okay. that one for sure. Yeah. Uh, I watched Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Oh, I love that movie. That movie is good. And I know we've been talking about covering that on the podcast, so I, I'm down for that completely. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Let's do that. Let's. Um, yeah, because you know, uh, mainstream horror movies usually aren't that good, and that one was quite a surprise. Yeah. Uh, and the Fly, the David Cronenberg uh, version of the Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Oh, classic. So, love that movie. I love Jeff Goldblum in that movie too. Yeah, uh, it's a very Jeff Goldblum performance, but uh, you know, playing to his strengths. For sure, in something yeah. like that, you know, kind of playing a dweeb or someone so smart, like you, it's uh, hard for him to interact with other people. I think Jeff Goldblum was born to play that role. The really interesting thing about Jeff Goldblum is I think that dude is actually kind of like physically, I think he's like a six foot dude. Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's like kind of jacked too, you know, which is funny that he plays these kind of like, uh, you know, more like the kind of, you know, like inconsequential guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
interesting about that movie, that's one of the movies that, that made me quit smoking pot. Really? Yeah, I was high as shit watching that one day. And it really uh, just disturbed me, you know, like I was like, look at this guy just deteriorating, falling apart and dying. It's so gross and brutal. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of what we all go through. That's what this movie's really about. Like we all get old and die. Yeah. Well, true. and you know, when like my mind went down that wormhole and I went into the worst panic attacks I've ever had. And uh, that was the beginning of the end for, for, for me and smoking pot pretty much. I read. I've started reading the um, the new Henry. Well, it's it came out recently. Uh, the new Henry Rollins book, uh, Sick S I C, and um, okay. I mean, it's the same stuff if you read any of his other books, really. But uh, yeah, it always seems like he puts something out that at exactly the moment in life when I need to read that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's it's uh, the same stuff, just at a different phase of his life. Um, really cool. Like, I mean, I, I'm a fan. I've always, my ever since I was in high school, like Rollins has always been like this kind of, um, you know, inspirational guy for me, and uh, you know, sure. influence on the way I attack life, I guess. You know, and uh, yeah, it's cool. What's interesting, the title SIC. You know, it's like that. That's like a, you know, like a term for. Uh, even though yeah, it, when you it implies yeah. that uh, what it's a literal what someone literally said but it may not be right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting title for, for like a, one of his books, I think. Yeah, that does sound interesting. And can you pick this up in a bookstore? Is it like online only kind of thing? Well, um, I bought it on the Kindle only because it's sold out right now and there's going to be a second, oh, okay. a second press coming. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I, man, it's been so long since I've actually went into a bookstore and bought something. I usually order everything. And mm. um, I mean, you can get this on all this stuff. I believe is on Amazon, or you can order it directly from uh, you know two thirteen sixty one. You know the, the imprint right. that he it's, has. Yeah, he still has that. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's not what it used to be. I mean, back in the day, there'd be like all these different authors that he publishes, and you know stuff like that. And I don't know, man. Like the store is kind of lean these days. There's not that much stuff mm. on there, you know, but. I don't know. Back in, I had, I have a lot of those titles that he, you know, like, you know, Don Bima and all those guys, you know, like, uh, sure. all this stuff was like during the nineties was like a big part of what I read. Yeah. Um, I read a little bit of that book. I'm not sure which book it was, but he was talking about the Lollapalooza tour, the very first Lollapalooza. So I'm not sure that was the early nineties, but I'm not sure what book it was. Yeah. The, all those are classics man, for me personally, just like, yeah. you know, like, you know, Black Coffee Blues, you know, See a Grown Man Cry, like all that stuff is like, uh, you know, very, um, it's just like part of like for me growing up, you know what I mean? And and to this day, it's still like even this new book is like, you know, he's he's an older guy, you know, and I'm an older guy. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's like hearing him talk about his day-to-day life too and, um, you know, trying to get through difficult moments is, uh, you know, it's kind of what I need right now too. So that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I should check that out. I've always, always had a soft spot for Rollins. The first um, band of that ilk I ever saw live was Rollins' band. They were opening for James Addiction. And it's funny because on the ticket it said James Addiction was special guest uh, Lush. So when Rollins' band went on, I thought they were Lush. I was wow. Like, Damn. Isn't that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was uh, 13, 14 years old. I was young. Um, 
And then people like, you know, ran into it. Would you think of Rollins band? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> like totally played it off like I knew. Um but uh, that you know it was a major, major moment for me. You know, I'd never seen anything like that. This is nineteen ninety, ninety one, something like that, whenever whenever James Addiction put out their their last good record, whenever yeah. that was. I yeah. saw them on that tour uh, too, actually. You know. Mm. Yeah, that's sort of the precursor to Lollapalooza because yeah. uh, you know Lollapalooza hadn't happened yet at that point. Um, I saw Tool for man. them too, actually. Rollins Band for Rollins Band. Yeah, Tool was was on tour at Rollins Band as the opener. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Rollins is on one of their songs yep. on their Undertow. I think it's their first album, Undertow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, um, I completely forgot about that connection. Yeah, it's um. Rollins band's important to me. That that that's a band that's like, like such a powerful thing for me in Black Flag too. You know, but but of course, at this stage, I would say more the Rollins band for me because of just how. You know, they really didn't. The thing I love about that story is how they they never really were successful in the way that people maybe the record label thought they were going to be. You know? Right, like yeah. they they would go out on tour like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Beastie Boys, and and you know I think there was like this hope that they would be like you know like the, the Chili Peppers or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because oh look, there's a guy running around with no shirt on and this band of really great musicians, and they're playing this yeah. like, wild music. So you know maybe maybe the Rollins band. You know Henry has like this you know charisma. He's like in movies, but they never were like they just were too much for a lot of people who like the Beastie Boys or, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And true. Yeah, they yeah. were just too much for that, you know? And th- yeah, they, they had some mainstream success, I would say, but like they were always going to be like a larger club band, like, you know, thousand, yeah. you know, three th- or like, you know, 1300 capacity kind of rooms band, you know? Right. Which and is great. To me, that's great. But I think when someone's spending that kind of money on promoting a band like this is the 90s you know so there's like budgets yeah. there's like big budgets spent and videos and films and press tours and all this stuff that probably the balance sheet didn't really work out and they were just like oh well you know sorry man we gave it a try we're on to the next thing you know and you guys are fucked essentially you know yeah. so but you know that's hey you know i i definitely he they tried and i thought that's kind of I always like the story of people who fail, you know what I mean? Like they try and they Me, fail. Yeah. You know, and I heard like a a podcast that Rollins used to do where he talked about that year of like when, you know, they were on the major label and they signed a publishing deal and they were able to That's how they lived. Like there wasn't like they were they signed a nice publishing deal and they were able to have their rent paid for a year. And, right. And they were able to go on tour all the time and do all this stuff and rehearse full time. You know, and I got to be honest, little, you know, just as a uh, something I'll talk about too often. But my old band back in the '90s, um, Otis, that's exactly what we did for a year. We signed a publishing deal and we lived off of that money for a year and tried to um, make it. You know, and it just didn't work out yeah. for us. You know what I mean? It rarely does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's a great life if you can do it. I, I was fortunate enough to live off of uh, my band for for quite a while. Yeah. Um, it was great. Um, yeah. Uh, I, of course, if you're playing music, that's maybe not necessarily the goal, but it's always nice to have that kind of success where you don't have to work. And if someone gives you that opportunity, 
you know, you're going to go for it. But attitudes about that kind of stuff in the 90s were vastly different than they are now. You know, I was talking last time we spoke about the book I'm reading, Sellout, about yeah. what a big deal it was for an indie band to sign to a major. Right. And I don't think anyone would bat an eye, an eye now. Yeah, that's it doesn't those opportunities don't even exist anymore. You know? No, they, yeah, exactly. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And no one would sign a band like Rollins Band now. You no, know, the no, 90s no. were a crazy time. Everyone was getting signed. Uh, not me, but uh, <laughs> other bands. Yeah. Um, that's and, uh, cool. I got to check that out. Man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's worth, you know, it's worth a read. You know, I, I, if you're into it, it's, I don't, you know, I'm not going to push on anyone because then there's like some younger, younger cats out here who probably have a different perspective on Henry Rollins than we do. But if, um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you're, if you know, you know, and then you should check it out. Actually, I've been on this big, uh, big Interpol rip since last night. That's crazy. You say that. <laughs> I have too. Really? Yeah. I just listened to their newest album for the first time uh, two nights ago. Really? Yeah. Not 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 good. Not good at all. W- which is their newest one? Oh God, I can't remember. It's. Uh... Let's see. There's the first major label one. There's a self-titled one. There's uh, oh man, it's I, I can't remember. It's right. a longer title. Is, there, is it called the other things. the other side of make believe? Is that it? Yes. Yeah, okay. that sounds right. Yeah. All right. I haven't listened to them since like their second album came out. Oh, you know, okay. Antics. So, then their head, you're, in your head, you're still good. And dude, I like Marauder. I thought Marauder was cool. Like that's the one mm. I guess that came out in 2018, maybe. Yeah, I didn't like that one at all. Oh, dude, I they're different now, and and they're um, very different. Now. I kind of feel like they're better now than they used to be. Mm, interesting. I uh, completely disagree. I okay. think the first the first two albums are phenomenal, especially the first one. I mean, when that came out, I mean, they were basically aping my favorite bands. You know, who do they sound like? They sound like The Cure. Yeah, Joy Division. They sound like Joy Division. They sound like The Smiths a little bit. You know, they kind of just sound like all the stuff I love. And uh, they hit the right note with people. You know, that band, I think their first two albums went gold, which is crazy. They're on Matador, which is not a major label. And uh, it kind of fell apart after that when they did sign to a major label for for one album. And uh, if there was ever a band Taylor made to make it, you know, on a major, it was them. But it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And and they had Um, some kind of, like like underground cred too a little bit you know what i mean oh for sure yeah i mean they were beloved i mean great i mean and and with good reason you know something like that didn't quite exist that much at the time you know they're wearing suits they look kind of gothy you know their music is drenched in reverb like i said i think it just hit the right note at the right time yeah there's a song on uh, marauder that's really good it's called if you really love nothing it's Pretty, oh, okay. Yeah, that, I've listened to it a bunch over the last couple, like the last couple of days. And there's a, I found a, there's a video for it with um, Finn Whitrock. Do you know who that actor is? Sounds familiar. Yeah, he's he was in American Horror Story a bunch. Like good looking young guy, oh. you know, like oh, cool hair. Yeah, I think yeah. I know. You, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the song is about what I suspected it was about about a dude who's got a girlfriend who just cannot stop having sex with random people. <laughs> yeah you know so yeah that kind of resonates with me a little bit you know well yeah sure uh, <laughs> i think we anyone can can, can can relate to that um i only listened to that album once when it came out and i kind of never went back to it i know that dave Ferdinand produced that one 
I, I I'm 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 down. I'm I back it. It's um I dig the falsetto singing on it too. Mm, yeah, there's a lot more of that in the later records. Yeah, I'm down with it. I think it's cool. Uh, uh, for me, it'll, uh, it'll never be better than the first record. Second record's very good too, but that first record is a classic that will be remembered probably, hopefully, a hundred years from now. I think it's that good. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's one of my favorite records of all time. Um, and also, that came out the same time we put out, uh, we meeting Isis, my old band, we put out Oceanic. And this is back in the magazine days where like, you would open magazines and read reviews and since their uh, uh, band started with I and ours did, I'd always see their review next to ours. Oh wow! And I was like that. Yeah, I was like, oh, this band sounds kind of cool. And you know, apparently they have a vampire for a bass player or something. That guy rules, <laughs> um, man. The old, the original bass player they had. That yeah, was the, he was the sickest, great, dude. Man. Yeah, yeah, great bass player, and he had a gun holster on stage for cigarettes, which is uh, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um. I don't have much this week. Uh, I just watched Scream Six. Really? Thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know why I do this to myself. I, I guess I'm some kind of a completist. Um, yeah, Scream Six, huge hit, uh, which is good for horror, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. These movies just aren't. They're they're not for me. I, <laughs> I think the first one is fine. A little overrated. I think the rest of the sequels are pretty bad, but this new sort of like reboot slash sequel that they're doing is very much geared towards Gen X kind of people. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, all the characters are very likable. Uh, the movie seems afraid to kill anyone. Uh, it's commits a cardinal sin that the first movie did. I don't want to give it away because it's kind of a spoiler. Um, but yeah, I really, I fucking hate it. Uh, the, the, these movies are for, you know, 18 to 24-year-olds now, I'd imagine. And then obviously they enjoyed it. It was a big hit, so good on them, but not for me. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you've probably seen all the Scream movies too, I'd imagine. No, no, I've only seen like the no? first two, actually. I, I lost interest in it really quickly when, when they were out. Yeah. You're smarter than me then. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just looking for something to watch. You know, I got trouble sleeping, so I see like, oh, Scream Six just you know dropped for rent, and yeah, sure, I'll pay like fucking eleven bucks to rent this or something, whatever it was. Um, and it started off kind of cool. I was like, oh man, they're gonna do something different and interesting, and then nope, it's the same bullshit. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's that's kind of the vibe, though. I thought, and that's why I kind of avoided. It. I mean, I'll probably eventually watch it some at some point. You know, I mean, there's very few franchises too uh, that have more than one or two, maybe three good entries. You know, but when you got like six, seven attached to it, you know, they start to get pretty fucking ridiculous. This is true. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, Halloween. How many Halloween? There's like nine Halloween movies. Oh, well, there's <laughs> all know, these like, different parallel worlds now with Halloween. You know, there's like the Rob yeah. Zombie movies. There's a, this last, like, fucking attempt at doing it, you know? Yeah. Whatever comes next, you know he's coming back. Oh, yeah. So yeah, totally. You'll see Michael Myers again. Um, but that's pretty much it as far as, like, you know, horror-related stuff that uh, that I watched. I watched a couple other things. Uh, I watched a movie called Babylon from uh, Damien Chazelle, who directed Whiplash. Okay. Uh, Whiplash is incredible. One of my favorite movies of the last, uh, I don't know, like 10 years, 12 years, whenever the fuck it came out. Uh, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it goes on for three hours. 
Um, that's quite a time. That's quite a, a, of, quite a program length. Yeah, it is. Uh, it seems to be. I think it's a good thing that you give an auteur all the money in the world to make their passion project and make it however long they want. I, I, I'm all for that. Um, but this was a huge misfire. Uh, if any, if I can convince one person to not watch Babylon, I've done my job. Well, maybe maybe that you accomplished that goal by saying that. Yeah. 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 Well, you haven't watched it, have you? No, I haven't. All right, well don't. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get going, I want to just give a shout out to to our our brethren, the uh, horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse, and of course, um, on Monday, we have Brandon Legion who brings you Horror Wolf six six six. On Tuesday, we've got the Ultimate Metal Podcast into the Necrosphere, brought to you by Jackie Smith. On Wednesday, we have um, necro. Uh, we don't have necromaniacs. So I have to edit this. On Wednesday, we have. <laughs> on Wednesday, we have everything went black, which is a show podcast that I started doing way back in the early days of podcasting. And you know, there's about, about I don't know, maybe 10, 20 people who like it. So, right. <laughs> so that's kind of cool, you know. Um, Thursday, yeah, of course, is necro cool. necro Thursday, and. Uh, Friday, we have Break the Apocalypse with Mike Scandato's brother, John Draper. And Sunday, we round out the week with Carl Hikara's Soul Knox, which is um, an a interesting show because it covers a lot of ground. We talk, there's music, there's like books, there's most, the common theme is everything is dark and kind of mm. has this like shadowy vibe to it. Sure. Yeah. All about it. Yeah. And um, of course, we have our, our voicemail um, line, which is 9, yes. 908-913-0782. And uh, this week, uh, Mike from Telford, PA, is back. Gentlemen, it's Mike from Telford, Mike McLennan. Uh, I haven't called in, I think it's been two weeks now. I didn't have much of a voice. I followed I Hate God around for a few days and... Uh, Last Thursday, uh, I've been listening to the episodes though. They falling on days when I'm on the road here. So uh, this past Thursday, I went up to Woodstock, seen the Wino documentary at a cool little place there, Tinker Street Cinema. That was a cool experience, and uh, and appreciate the episodes. One is a definitely as a thumbs up thing. I'm going to check out Infinity Pool, and another as a, a recommendation to avoid something. I've never been much into that at night deal anyway so uh i'm gonna skip that one i'm sure um uh this past episode you guys said you didn't get any calls so i was like fuck i'm gonna let these boys know that they're still doing a great job i look forward to necro thursday so much now and everything went, went black also those are two of the only podcasts i listen to other than like wrestling podcasts and shit and uh Radical Research is one I like, too. Uh, hope you guys are cool. I just saw Fishbone on Saturday locally. That was one for the bucket list, and uh, they didn't disappoint. Dirty Walt is still with them, so that was cool. I don't know if you guys are into that shit or not. I don't really dip my toes into that at all, but I, like, I always like Fishbone a lot. So, All right, guys. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. 
last night I saw a movie called Scream of the Demon Lover on Blu-ray. It's an Italian movie from the from 70, I think. It was really more like a bizarre, like, sex melodrama, more than, like, flat-out horror, but it was it was worth watching. And before that, I saw one called The Witch's Mountain, uh, something Mondo Macabro just put out recently. It's like a Spanish movie from the 70s. That was cool. That was more like a, like a witchcraft movie and didn't really show you much till the end, but the, uh, the locations were stunning. Patty Shepard was in that. You guys know her from uh, Werewolf vs. Vampire Woman and uh, Hannah, Queen of the Vampires. That was was cool. I'll watch anything that she's in. All right, I'm fucking rambling now. It's three, I can see the timer in three minutes. You don't need this bullshit. I'll be looking forward to Thursday. Hope you guys are doing all right. And uh, I'll run into you soon enough. Later, guys. Yeah, so Jeff, have you seen either of those films that Mike talked about? Um, Demon Lover or Witch's Mountain? I don't believe I have. No, they sound I, cool. I, I don't I, think. It's, yeah, yeah. I looked uh, them up. I looked them up, and uh, I don't know. I, both of them sound like something I'd be into. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, always uh, love recommendations uh, here, and uh, you know, we're we're older guys. We and I like to think I know everything or have seen everything, and then someone points out something you've never uh, never heard of. So I appreciate it. Well, actually, you know, we uh, we covered a movie that someone recommended, you know, Death Dream. And, um, you know, even though Mike and I had been discussing doing that for quite a while, that was like the motivation to actually get it over the fence. So, you know, I, I encourage yeah. everyone to call in and, and recommend films. And if you call in and leave a voicemail, you're definitely higher in the in the hierarchy of recommendations. So, uh, so yeah, thanks, Mike. I mean, I'm going to definitely check these out and... um you know, maybe we'll do an episode on it or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. And some, there's been some good recommendations too. people aren't saying like the obvious things, you know, you, you know, you're getting some, uh, like someone suggested a uh, green room, which, uh, never occurred to me, but it turns out you guys already covered it back in the day before I jumped aboard. Yeah. Yeah. We did green room way back. I should repost that somewhere on our Facebook page, maybe so people can, you know, we've been doing this for a while. So now, you know, we have a lot of new listeners and, not everyone goes all the way back through the feed, you know, so maybe we start reposting exactly. some of the older episodes. Yeah. And we're going back a little bit with today's movie. This is now 10 years old. It doesn't seem that old, but you're right. It is 10 years old. And of course, we're talking about Enemy from 2013. So originally, this came out uh, September 8th, 2013 at the Toronto International Film Festival. Then in Canada, it was released on March 14th, 2014. March 28th in Spain, that same, uh, coincidentally, um, with uh, the Canadian release. And then August mm. 27th, 2014 in France. So I, I, it looks like uh, this was never theatrically released in the United States. Uh, I saw it on demand. Yeah. Uh, and it was a surprise. It was like, oh, I was just reading about this movie. Now it's here. I, you know, that stuff was kind of new back then. Streaming wasn't like it is, you know, today. Yeah. The movie is 90 minutes long. And it was uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Screenplay by Javier Guillon. And uh, based on The Double by Jose, Jose Saramago. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a very international uh, flavor to this film. 
And it takes place in Canada. Yeah, very much. Yeah, it's filming. Yes, Canada. Toronto. Yeah. Uh, of course, this stars the great uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who plays uh, ha, kind of a dual role. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's up for discussion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have uh, Melanie Laurent as Mary, Sarah Gadon as Helen Claire, and the sublime Isabella Rossellini as the mother. Small but very pivotal role. Man, I'm a huge fan of Isabella Rossellini. Always been a huge oh, fan right. of hers. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's like, she actually looks a little bit like my mom, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. My, mom, right. my mom, when she was younger, looked like Isabella Rossellini. Interesting. I uh, don't see her in much anymore. Uh, this might be the last thing I saw her in. Um, yeah, maybe. You know, I know she she has a prolific career, you know, and um, she hasn't been in anything in a while. She picks interesting things to be in, too. I'll say that. All right, so where do we start with this one, man? It's uh... That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so much to discuss. Uh, well, you know, you and I kind of talked about this movie before. The very first podcast I ever did was uh, Everything Went Black, where you and I discussed the 10 favorite horror movies of the last 10 years. Right. And this was my number three, and you had not yet seen it at that point. I watched it because you told me about it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and that was a few years ago at this point. And um, yeah, three. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I'm a relatively late comer to this film, especially you know since it's been out for ten years. Um, and yeah. also, just I want to warn everyone now. Okay, now if you have not seen this film, and you are planning on seeing it, hit the pause button. And go watch it and then come back and listen to the show. Because there's no possible way to discuss this movie without spoiling it or at least influencing someone who hasn't seen it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because this movie, this is one of the things I love about this movie is I, I think it's made with a clear intention. Filmmakers know what's happening, but it lets the viewers come to its own conclusion about what you just saw. It is somewhat open to interpretation. Like it doesn't give you visual, it doesn't like, you know, cut back to earlier scenes. You know, I hate when movies do that. Like, you know, cuts cuts back to an earlier, oh, did you miss this? Remember this? Right. The movie doesn't do things like that. You know, it's very um I think it takes re- repeat viewings to to really let this movie sink in. Um and you had seen it, like you said, like I think the for for the first time three years ago. Yeah. I assume you watched it recently. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure you picked up on a ton of different things in, in between, you know, uh, in those different viewings. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the second time around, it was very, very clear what was going on. The first time I was like, because, you know, going into a cold, you don't really know what the hell is going on because it's presented as being one thing and you kind of buy into that for a little bit. And then the second time you start catching all this stuff and like you were mentioning yeah. before, you only get one pass through this movie. They don't, they're not going to reference back to like, Oh, but did you see this cue over here? So, right. Exactly. Yeah. So the second time around is when I started seeing things differently, you know? And, and um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a really effective film and it's shot really well. The acting is great. And um, I, I always like seeing Jake Gyllenhaal in movies too. Oh, he's he's the best, man. He's been one of the, the you know, he's, he's one of the best. He's not a new actor anymore, but, you know, since he kind of came on the scene, again, they always picked interesting things. He's worked with this director before, Denis Villeneuve, however the fuck you pronounce his name. Um, 
in the great uh, prisoners fantastic movie they they made this uh, right uh, i think it was right after that um yeah i've been a fan of his ever since uh, donnie darko you know yeah the great donnie darko and this movie it's kind of this is kind of an outlier for him he doesn't make movies like this i mean this is uh this is almost lynching territory the way it's presented to the audience oh very much man there's a lot of shadows they do work with with color a lot you know there's like this like sort of a pre well all right let, maybe let's get into a little bit what this is about then okay yeah uh, what, the, the basic plot sure yeah all right so there's um this is adam we we are introduced to adam okay mm-hmm. and that's a, a character in this film and um what's there's a voicemail uh with his mother saying uh you know i don't know how you live like this uh you know you've got a good respectable job and this sort of stuff so it kind of sets the tone for adam being this kind of unhappy guy who's he's a professor so yeah he does have a respectable job but he lives in this very Mm -hmm. austere um apartment and when they show him in his apartment it, it has this yellowish dreary tone to it yeah and um He's got a, a girlfriend, Mary, and um, they they sort of show the repetition of his daily life. He goes to his class. He does his, his um, lectures. He has dinner. Mm. He's in the shadows yeah. of his apartment. You know, Mary comes over. They have sex, you know, and then she leaves, too. She doesn't st- it seems like she doesn't ever spend the night there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, for sure. And so I don't know about you, but that that that's like uh, kind of um, there's a certain lack of closeness that that it arises when the the lady doesn't spend the evening after having sex. You know what I mean? Yeah, it almost feels more like I don't want to say a business transaction, but it, it's uh, it doesn't really seem to be a relationship based on love. I, I think they're just they're just banging. That's exactly <laughs> the word I was going to say. It seems transactional. No, okay. Yeah, it, it's like you show up, you know, you um, you know, you, you do you work very workmanlike, you know, you do your thing, and then it's time to leave. Yeah. So much so that I thought that, I, like initially, I was like, wait, is she like a prostitute or something like that? Or like, uh, it it the way they portray it is very much in this transactional sense, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you brought up the apartment too. The apartment is kind of key, one of the key clues of this movie, I think. Because you see Adam, he has a respectable job. But like you say, he lives in this sort of dingy, dreary uh, apartment with no personality. It's a very big visual cue as to, to what might be going on in this movie. Yeah, totally. And uh, well, actually, the opening scene is is not that. The opening scene is um is there's this kind of uh, inner circle um, ritualistic fetish thing going on where we see. A guy who looks exactly um, like like uh, like Adam, but he's dressed in yes. this like really slick, like really nice slick suit. And uh, there's all these like older guys, and there's this uh, woman, and she's involved in some kind of thing which is very specific to like you know how like in the fetish. I mean, I'm not one of these SM you know BDSM uh, fetish people, you know. So I don't you know some of this stuff goes over yeah. my head. You know? Wait, wait, wait! Back up. Yeah. You're not. No, no. 
<laughs> I'm not into like all that SM trip or whatever, but but so there's a lot of sure. this fetish stuff goes over my head. But there's like a table and this gigantic spider and this na- naked woman with like high heels on, and uh, yeah, and she's stepping on the spider, you know, with her yeah. spiked heels. Um, another very very important visual cue to this movie: spiders and webs. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the woman crushing the spider is very much a metaphor for the meaning of this movie, I think. But, uh, you know, we'll get into that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, like, uh, where does the plot pick up? So Adam, he's, you know, see the repetition, uh, you see him. One of the things I thought interesting in the beginning of the movie was showing his, um, him working, him, he's talking about dictatorships and uh, repetition, uh, repetition and control. And what he's saying is relevant to the plot of the movie. And it also shows him giving the exact same spiel like a couple of days later, but he's more frazzled. He, he looks kind of sweaty. Um, so right in like the first like, few minutes of this movie, you're getting a lot of, of, of stuff that, might be hard to retain when 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 all is said and done. Definitely but, the uh, first time through, this stuff kind of yeah. goes right by you. Like he's talking about fascism, he's talking about like all this like control and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, all right, you don't know if that's important or not, but it turns out that it is. Yeah, I would say almost everything you see and hear in this movie is is kind of important. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, he has a coworker that asks him about if he likes movies. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> like no, nah, nah, I'm not really into that. You know, I'm not into, into that kind <laughs> Yeah, of what thing. a weird answer. <laughs> but who doesn't like movies besides my dad? I, I don't know, man. Even like, if even if you're into like action films or some Hollywood stuff, everyone likes watching movies, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's baffling to me. Uh, the scene plays out pretty funny, though. I, I wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the guy goes, oh, well, there's a will, there's a way. And Jake Gyllenhaal goes, yeah, of course. He's like, no, no, that's the movie title. <laughs> you should see. <laughs> that made me laugh. So Gyllenhaal, uh, or Adam, we'll call him Adam, <laughs> he goes out and rents this movie on, uh, I believe it's on DVD. You know, it would have to, yeah. I would, yeah, this yeah, is 20, 2013, so, you know, the, the DVD. There's still format. video stores. Yeah, there's still video stores, and the DVD format is alive and well. And he notices there's a guy in the movie that conspicuously looks like him. Yes, but he doesn't notice it while he's watching it. He notices it in a dream. Yes. Which I found very interesting. There's a a lot of dream stuff in this movie, and that's kind of like takes you into the kind of Lynchian vibration a little bit too, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. It does have a slight dreamy... uh, feel to it almost like you know we reference Legati a lot on this podcast but this sort of had the tone of one of his stories you have this big city like toronto but it feels deserted yes it feels quiet and creepy and and menacing actually but uh you don't see like you really just don't see a lot of other people there's not a lot of cars driving by or anything like that. It's, it's very like desolate feeling. Well, and, uh, I'm going I'm I'm to go out on a limb. Purpose. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that this is more of a weird tale than a horror film. 
Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah, we should stress that at the beginning. This is horror in the loosest sense of the word. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not... It's not a slasher. It's not a ghosts or demons, and it's tr- and also kind of Legati S. This is kind of the, the the horror that he kind of does. Exactly. Um. So yeah, if you're looking for blood and guts stuff like that, this is not that kind of horror movie at all. But it's definitely a weird tale. So if you're into weird tales yeah, yeah. and you're into like this kind of thing, this kind of like psychological stuff, like Thomas Legati, like definitely this is up your alley for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so, yeah, he becomes pretty much fascinated with this other guy now. Well, he looks him up online and he finds out this guy's name is Anthony Clare. And he finds like some sort of actor's profile for him. And um, the best part about it, and this is also very Legati-esque, is that he's like not like a famous actor. He's just like a guy who's been like a couple commercials. He's like a like a kind of like a background actor in some ways. Yeah, he's the bellhop in in in, in the in the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that he watches. Like he doesn't even notice it, you know, until he has to has falls asleep and has a dream about it. Right. Yeah. And uh, so that yeah. that's even more so, like in this kind of inconsequential world that like uh, Thomas Ligotti's fiction occupies a lot of times. Absolutely, I do want to point out that he is credited in the uh, whatever it's like the IMDb page he's looking at or something as Daniel Saint Clair. Not Anthony. Oh, weird. Okay. So Anthony has a little alter ego, which I thought was uh, very interesting considering the themes of this movie. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's pretty common to have a, a, a stage name, you know, like uh, Michael Keaton is really Michael Douglas. Uh, things like that. <laughs> Thomas Jane is really Elliot Jane. Huh. Uh, so... Anthony St. Clair is Daniel St. Clair in his mind. Uh, but again, it's a very little thing, but I also think it's kind of important that Anthony subconsciously maybe wants to be someone else. Yes, exactly. That's the, that's the whole vibe of this thing, really. So um, Adam decides to creepy crawl this guy, Anthony. And um, he goes. He goes to this uh, this building, which is like apparently, I'm assuming, is like his management company's, uh, you know, headquarters or something like that. And um, the thing I thought was funny is that he's wearing these like super expensive sunglasses while he's doing. (laughs) Yeah, that that did ring as 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 humorous to me too. Yeah, they're like some kind of like like five hundred dollar like sunglasses that he's wearing. Yeah, isn't there a scene where he's like kind of trying them on, like he's trying to maybe disguise himself because he knows he look, he looks just like this guy. Yeah. So he finds his way into the building, and um, and he's talking to the uh, the security guy. He's like, "Oh man, I haven't seen you in in forever, man. Like it's been at least uh, you know six months, you know." And he's like, "Oh, at least six months. Now six months is yeah. an important. That's an important time frame." Hmm. Hmm. So he's like, well, you know, no one's here. It's the weekend, right? And, uh, and he's like, I, I came here for that thing, right? So he gives him this, he finds, there's an envelope with the address to him, which he pockets and takes off, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, that comes in later, what's actually in the envelope. And it, it yes, it, much later. Yeah, there's like some connective tissue that is, that's why the, the envelope is actually kind of important. Yes, it's very important. Yeah, but again, like it, it doesn't. You don't really get a um, 
you don't really see it again until the very end of the movie. Right. But there so is a lot one, of people who might have forgotten about it. There's an element, though, where there's a security guy who's walking in the in the uh, elevator. Oh, well, all right, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I'm sorry that we're going yeah, through yeah. this thing beat by beat, but there's a lot of stuff. You kind of have to with this. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So he goes back home. He calls Anthony Clare. Okay. <laughs> now, this is fucking. <laughs> This is uh, you're gonna have. To, this is like a, a huge leap of faith, I guess. This part, this scene, you know, because like yeah. first time around, I'm like, oh, he's calling this guy. He has a a double that he looks like. So they're having this conversation, and uh, Anthony Claire is in an apartment with his wife, his six month pregnant wife. Okay. Yeah. Helen, Helen Claire. You know, and the guys, yes. like, you know, where where. Uh, you know where where you look exact. I look exactly like you. You know, and and uh, so the guy's like, "What the fuck? Are you like? Don't call here again." You know, but out of that, he convinces himself. He convinces himself, or convinces this other guy to meet in a in a some sketchy hotel. But before, yeah. after he gets off the line, um, Helen is like, "Who was that?" And he's like, "Are you talking? Are you talking to her again?" You know, implying that. Right. He's somehow being unfaithful. And he's like, no, that was a man I was talking to. Right. And she's like, maybe it was a jealous husband, something like that. So you get the the things are not good between Helen and Anthony. And whereas Adam is a little bit more mild mannered and reserved, Anthony seems a little bit more like a, you know, a little more animated. He's also definitely more, um, it's almost similar to Fight Club. You know, with a Tyler yeah. Tyler Durden, but not not as like extreme. You know, where there's like right. like you know, Anthony is is more outgoing. He's an actor. You know, he's almost all the things that Adam wishes he was. You know, and in a strange way, Adam is all the things Anthony wishes maybe he was. Yeah, yeah. There and that and that's and this is this is it when it comes to the movie really that what we just said right now is like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like the second time I watched this movie, you know? Yeah, totally. And you'll notice you mentioned the apartment before Anthony's apartment is the polar opposite of where Adam lives. It's not flashy, but it has personality to it. Feels like people actually live there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Adam's apartment looks like when you go look at an apartment, you know, like if you're like you go with a real estate <laughs> yeah, exactly. person and there's like, oh, we have this new building here and uh, there's some furniture in it, you know, and that's what it looks like. There's like some generic couch, you know, a bed, that kind of thing. Yeah. White sheets on a bed that doesn't have a frame or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, they meet in a hotel room. Uh, it's a great scene in the hotel room. It's very like cramped. I think there is significance to that hotel room that they meet in. Um, I really think you uh, like the, 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 this, you piece the story together with visual cues you get from, from this movie. Like that, I think that that apartment and this hotel room that they meet in is, is quite important. All right. Yeah. So they're, they're in the, uh, they're in the hotel room. They're regarding each other. Uh, they have, they both have the same scar in their stomach. You know, yes. So they are in effect identical. Yes, yes, they are identical in every way. They sound alike. 
Um, and yeah, this is where the movie gets really interesting. Uh, Anthony's wife, Helen, is wants to see this guy for himself, wants to see this Adam guy. And she's horrified when she sees Adam. Yeah. And he does, and, he, he plays it like he doesn't even recognize her, you know? And he's like yeah. lo- looking at her. She goes to, you know, he, she's down by the university. And, yes. And he's just like, he looks over at her and he's like, you know, how are you? You know, how, how, how many months pregnant are you? You know, how, or how far along are you? I think is what he says. And she's like, six months. You know, it's like, oh, nice. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he like, it, it, it walks exactly. away. Yeah, he walks yeah, away. Yeah, these, these two guys become very, very curious about each other. And Anthony gets a look at um, Mary, Adam's girlfriend, yeah. and kind of follows her. And I want to mention, I mean, it's not subtle, but there is like a web motif going throughout this movie. You see spider webs everywhere. It's in the crossing of the wires for the train. You see them in the background. Uh, webs and spiders everywhere yeah. <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, and... Okay, so after that, it's okay that they meet, and then there's also a meeting with the mother. The mother never refers to her son by name as yeah. Adam or Anthony. This was interesting uh, because, uh, you know, she's like, you know, why, you know, why are you? Is, I mean, Isabel Rosalie is so awesome in this scene, man. She's just, I don't know, I just like love watching her act, and she's just like, oh yeah. Because she's got that awesome, like, Italian accent and everything. And she's like, you know, why are you meeting men in these strange hotels? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you have to give up your this, this foolish dream of being an actor. Yeah, and it, it is Adam that's meeting with yes, her. Yes, it's Adam. It's clearly yeah. Adam, yeah. You know, because she, yeah. you know, she comments on that. And I was just like, oh, wow, okay, interesting. And. After that conversation, and she also mentions that he uh, uh, loves blueberries, which uh, he's like, I don't like blueberries. She's like, what are you talking about? You love blueberries. Yeah. Uh, Anthony has mentioned that Anthony uh, is kind of upset his wife didn't buy uh, blueberries. So Anthony likes blueberries. Adam does not. (laughs) Uh, And his mom seems like, yeah, what are you talking about? And at that moment, you have what I would call the signature shot of this movie of – the giant spiders hovering in the Toronto skyline. It's such a great image. It's my computer screensaver. For, uh, oh, for wow. Like okay. Years. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I love it. it, it it's, uh, I think it throws a lot. Again, first time through, you might not quite understand what this all means, but uh, very important to the story. The first time I saw the movie, I was like, wait, there's like a monster attacking Toronto now. <laughs> like, it's going wild. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, some people I've read, uh, it's been a while, uh, since I read much about this movie and I didn't want to read yet too much about it, uh, with like for this, cause I don't want it to affect my opinion, but some people do take this movie literally really that like, yeah, this is some sort of invasion of spider people <laughs> and like they're huh. creating clones and, oh. you know, uh, it's funny knowing that watching it, I was like, no, that, that does, that doesn't work at all. But uh, the spider is hovering in the city for a reason. It's not just there because it looks cool, which it does. But um, I think, again, it's nothing in this movie, I think, is meant to be taken literally. No. Um, well, not, not that kind of imagery. 
it's all like right. sim- symbolic and kind of uh, you know Im- atmospheric. Like it makes an atmosphere of the film, that, and you're supposed to take something from that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's another uh, spider moment. Uh, I think it's Adam has a dream about a naked woman walking down the hallway upside down, and her head is a spider's head. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's Adam who has that dream. Yeah, and uh, I believe he has that dream after. Uh, does he have that right when when he goes to Anthony's apartment? Like he's sneaking into Anthony's apartment, trying to like find out more about him. I believe that's that's how it happens in the film. Yes. Yeah. So their lives are starting to intersect and become. It's starting to uh, to be harder to separate the two. And at one point, once uh, Anthony gets a good look at Mary, who's blonde like his wife, uh, he wants to pretend to be Adam so he can go on a date with Mary. Because uh, Anthony now thinks Adam is fucking his wife. He's like, I'm going to fuck your girlfriend, and then we'll be even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, it's a crazy idea, but <laughs> I guess it kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, once again, like Anthony's like this kind of wild, you know, a little more wilder, a little bit more um, like a, a slave to his desires and that sort of thing. And, and Adam is like way more like repressed and just kind of like, uh, you know, res- res- resigned to his place in the world, you know? Exactly. And I think each character wants to be. The other one, Anthony wants to be Adam. Adam wants to be Anthony in a way. I watched this with my girlfriend. I remember she saying, which one was the real person? Well, that's, And I thought, well, they both are. Yeah, but the thing is that that's that's a, that's a very I, – I, we'll get to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You know, because, like, yeah, I mean, we're starting to see – well, maybe not right away, but if you – spend time with this movie, you'll start to see that there really are no two people. They're all the same guy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now the, the version of Adam, the Adam version that spends his time with Helen, you know, they're in bed together and, and it's, it's like, um, it, it's, oh man, it's like that, that scene is very powerful. You know what I mean? Because it's like, he's easing into like there's like a comfort level with it too you know where it's like at first he's very uncomfortable around her yes but I I think that he starts to see like the beauty of their relationship and the fact that they have a child coming you know yes and he starts to really be like oh okay well this this might be the thing that I've been missing in my life you know yeah and Helen's reaction is just as interesting um because now she knows she's not with Anthony. She knows it's Adam, but she's pretending not to know. Yeah. Um, and right at that moment, I think she sees the person she wants him to be. Right. And it's a big moment. She even says, how is school today? And he, Adam pretends to not understand what she's saying. Yes. Um, yeah. And at that, while that's happening, uh, you have... Uh, Anthony with the girlfriend with, with with Mary, yeah, and things aren't going well. No, it's like the opposite of what's happening. They're having sex. She notices that he has, uh, you know, the the uh, line of a wedding ring. Um, 
they get into a huge fight, they get into a car accident <laughs> and presumably die if you were taking this literally. Yes. If you so take it literally, point, it looks like they die, yeah. Anthony's gone, the girlfriend's gone, Adam is living as Anthony with Helen. Uh, he rediscovers he has that envelope with the key card in it. His wife turns into a spider, the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you're taking this movie literally, you'll probably be like, what the fuck? Well, real quick about the, the key. The key yeah. was like access to that thing in the beginning with all the yes. perverted old men and the, the, the naked lady and the spider. So that, that's, that's what it goes back to is the beginning of the film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, there are a few callbacks. Uh, for instance, when Adam goes to Anthony's apartment, he sees a photo, a full photo. And you'll remember back in the beginning of the movie, he has a ripped up photo. It's just of him. Uh, and you start to really piece together what this movie is really about. Adam slash Anthony are one person. Uh, I don't think there's many people who would debate that. No, no, definitely not. Uh, the thing that's debatable is which one is actually, like who is Isabella Rossellini's actual son? Is it Adam or Anthony? Well, they both are. No, but I mean, which version of himself though? You know what I mean? Like, like which is the guy who, because like there's two, there's two things here. There's a couple things. All right, Anthony has a, has been wearing a wedding band. Yeah. All right, and and so much so that Mary noticed that he there was a mark on his finger where he took the wedding. Oh, oh. Okay. We're discovering on air something. <laughs> no, I was thinking like, was she upset that he took his ring off, or I... that he had a a like that. That spot, the the, the ring, the the band, the oh, man. Well, here's what I think. Here's okay, what I yeah. Think. You tell me because I think you probably have a little bit more of a. Treatise. This is what I think. Yeah. He got his wife pregnant, uh, and he had this. Uh, uh, you know, he felt pinned down and afraid of the responsibility. Um, the movie starts with a woman crushing a spider. I kind of feel that that is Anthony's mindset. He's afraid of his free spirit, his freedom, his, um, and all of that being destroyed by a woman. Yes. Um, uh, I remember my friend text me at, uh, 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 after he saw this movie and he's like, it's really like about women catching men in their webs. <laughs> and I think that is, uh, sort of the, like it is about fear of, of that fear of commitment, fear of, uh, you know, loss of youth, whatever, whatever it is. I think that's, what that uh, beginning symbolizes. I also, so there he meets this girlfriend, uh, Mary. He starts having an affair with her. Yeah. I think at first that, that, that affair took place at the hotel Anthony and Adam meet at. Okay. I think that's the significance of that hotel. His wife finds out, kicks him out, and he's living in Adam's drab apartment with some things he has from his regular apartment. Like we see this, some photos and things like that. Uh, the scene between, uh, at the end between Anthony and Mary is where things went wrong with the girlfriend. I think the girlfriend at some point realized she was sleeping with a married man. Oh shit. Okay. All right. Okay. 
I think, and she says, I don't know who are you. I don't know who you are. Like, and you can take that as, I don't know if you're this other guy or if, but I, I seem to take it as she didn't know he was married. Gotcha. Maybe. All right. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't know many couples who meet in a hotel room <laughs> that, that don't, but that's what I think. That's, I mean, I, I could be completely wrong. There's no, a lot I, of ways I, to interpret this. That makes sense. So the timelines are, are different as far as, um, like, yeah, yeah, okay, now, all right, I'm, I'm on board with this, definitely. Yeah, and you have someone who's not really being completely honest with themselves, so uh, not necessarily things are going to add, like, add up right? Uh, in, in, in some of the scenes. Um, you know, maybe him and Helen, I mean, uh, Mary met at the sex club at the beginning of the movie. Could be. And and that's why they're meeting, you know, in a hotel. Who, who knows? But... Um, I think the spider represents also the, uh, you know, he has a conversation with his mother and the next shot is the spider looming over the city. I think this is his atmosphere of this, this darkness, this thing he doesn't want to be coming back because you'll notice when Anthony gets into that car accident and presumably dies, it cuts to a shot of the Toronto uh, skyline, no spider in it. Right. Meaning, he is free and clear. When he notices he still has the key to the sex club, that's when his wife turns into a spider, meaning he has not gotten rid of this part of him that he doesn't want to be. The cycle repeats, just like he's saying in the beginning of the movie uh, about fascism. This is all repeats itself. So I think what we're seeing has happened before with Anthony slash Adam. Uh, this is like not, nothing new to them. Uh, and wow. the movie seems to suggest this will go on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because the spider like shrinks away from him when he walks into the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that was my interpretation of the movie. This is a guy who is not honest with himself. He's created this other identity uh, to deal with the different aspects of his personality. Adam is the good guy, a respectable job. Um, Anthony is the things he doesn't like. He is the, you know, failed actor, a guy who goes to sex clubs, a guy who cheats on his wife, uh, a guy who drives a motorcycle, whereas Adam drives a shitty beat of car. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it goes about this in a very, very like, unique way. You don't see a lot of movies like this. Like I said, it's very Lynchian where, you know, it's very kind of a simple idea, but told in a very abstract sort of way. Yeah, no, I I pretty much came to the same conclusion. Just that some of, some of the details I I just wanted to discuss, like the ring, was what really was throwing me off a little bit. But now I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense that it was out of a different sequence sequential timeline. Yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I came to because uh, watching it with my girlfriend, she had a problem with that scene too. She's like, well, you know, she would have known she was sleeping with a married guy. Like, I don't like. I don't understand why why she freaked out. I thought, yeah, you know that that that's true what you're saying, but you know this is all a little bit unreliable. You know, like maybe memories of that one of them is having too. I don't think it's meant to be taken at purely at face value. You right. know what I mean? No, totally. Yeah. 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 Great movie, man. Yeah, God, there's just so much to chew on this. The the the, the spider motifs, all the moments, the the dreamlike atmosphere of this movie of like the the woman walking naked upside down the hallway with a spider for a head. Um, it's very clear. I don't think many people have have ever have seen this. 
I highly recommend this movie, you know, and, and it's like, especially for us men out there, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it's a fucking male movie, really, if you think about it. It's about the male insecurity, like, you know, reconciling the two parts of your personality, um, you know, because I think everyone has a little bit of both of those things in them. I know I do, for sure. Oh, sure. I think everyone does. I think yeah. everyone is, is just really, you know, at least two people, if not, if not more. Yeah. You know, and um, um, it's just, it's a powerful movie, man, really. It really is. And it really uh, rewards itself the more you watch it. The last time I saw it, it is the most clear it had ever been to me. And I, was, I, I fully feel like I understand this movie now, whereas the first few times I just sort of took it in and took in little details. Um, but it seems that I, I, I feel like I have a much better grasp on it now. And I love this movie more than I've ever loved it. And I've always loved it. This is one of my favorite films of, of all time, really, not even of just the last 10 years of any genre. This is just such a, a great movie. I love the, the the lighting, this dingy yellow feel it has, it almost it kind of has like a film noir sort of feel to it. Yeah, yeah, and the, and there's a desolation to everything too, which I really dig. You know, like Toronto, yes. like you know, you've been, we've all been, we've been to Toronto together, actually, me and you. Yeah, we have. And yeah. it's a fucking bustling metropolis, you know. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it, it's yeah. like there's like stuff going on, like cars, like you know, people blowing the horn, and this yeah. version of. This weird version of Toronto is this desolate, blank, urban landscape, which is completely not what it's like, you know? Yeah, it feels smoggy. Like, there's a yellows and browns seem to be like the primary colors of this movie. Initially, um, I thought it was LA because LA can have like a desolation to it, too. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, it's a major city, and then you turn the corner. And you're in a suburban neighborhood. Yeah. And it feels, uh, you know, very quiet. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it does specifically say it takes place in Toronto, though, right? No, it does. No, no. It, it, yeah, I, I was so, just okay. saying that it, the smog and the desolation reminded me of L.A. <laughs> right. Because like, like you were yeah. saying, like L.A. is like one of those towns where, yeah, you, you it's, it's a major city, but there's like a quietness to it. You know, that's kind of unsettling at times. Oh, absolutely. I do do think this you could have filmed this anywhere and would still have the same effect. Yeah, no, that, absolutely. Uh, it's not like Toronto's like a, a big part of the movie. I mean, you could get like the you know that skyline shot from from almost any any city. Um, it would be real trippy if someone did something like that in New York, in New York, man. Like where they frame New York as like a quiet desolate city you know yeah would that, yeah exactly like would that even be physically possible that now that would be interesting because like that you've never seen no um but yeah you've seen toronto in a million fucking movies you've never seen it like this though uh it's one of the things i love about it and i mean the acting alone jake gyllenhaal has a dual role uh actors love to do that kind of shit it it's never easy and he does a very good job of distinguishing, you never get confused as to who's Adam and who's Anthony, even when they're pretending to be each other. Yeah, yeah, not totally. Yeah. Um, just I mean, if you had to grade this, Mike. Oh man, I, I would mean, give this a five on. out of five, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No question, a five out of five. This is a ten out of five. This is, <laughs> like I said, one of my favorite movies 
of of all time. I always recommend this movie when people say, what should I watch? What's a horror movie I should watch? Because, you know, debatable whether it's a horror movie, but to me, it very much is. Like, it is a psychological nightmare. Yeah, it's more, like I said, it's a weird tale. Um, you know, it's definitely like a psychological horror film, for sure. But yeah, this, yeah. this it was great. And I'm glad you brought it up a few years ago for me to check out, because like, no one knows, not, not very many people know of this movie, you know? Yeah, it's weird. And Delhi Villeneuve's uh, stock has gone up considerably in the last few years. Uh, you know, he directed the Blade Runner movie. He directed uh, the Arrival, which was nominated for Oscars. And of course, he just did Dune, which surprisingly did pretty well. Um, I, I back Dune. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I liked it. I, I'm not a big big fan of Dune in general. Uh, I like the movie way more than I thought it would. And I think it all has to do with him directing. Um, he had my attention before this movie, but this movie made me absolutely fall in love with, with, with this director. Uh, I am a fan for life because, because of this movie. And he seems to have that Nolan kind of clout where he can get 200, $300 million to make really just, you know, art films basically. Now you have this on Blu-ray. I do have this on Blu-ray. Yeah. Was uh, this uh, like? Was there anything interesting as far as extras go on this one? The version that you have. There is a making of with the, uh, you know, they talk to Jake Gyllenhaal. They talk to the cast. Uh, they talk to the director, the writer. Um, talk about some differences from the. It's definitely worth watching. They, they you know, um, uh, this author I forget is he's a very popular author. He wrote the book Blindness. Uh, that was uh, huge around like 2006. It seems like the book uh, everyone was reading at that point. Um, I know they made a uh, movie about it too, which didn't fare as well. But uh, I know the book was – I don't know what year the book came out. I just remember talking about it on tour with uh, with Eugene, your, your boy Eugene, Eugene oh, yeah. Robinson. Yeah, man. Yeah. Eugene's great. Yeah, he's fucking awesome. Love that guy. Um uh, but uh, I think the the film is a vastly different thing from the book. That's sort of the uh, sort of the feeling I got. But it's very cool. It's not a ton of extras. There's no, I don't think there's any director's commentary or anything like that, which would be fascinating for a movie like this. But it looks good. It's definitely worth picking up on Blu-ray. I mean, this movie looks incredible, and we watched it on our big TV with our sound system rocking. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a way to see this on the biggest screen possible as, as loud as it goes. Cause it's not a light. It's a very quiet movie in a way. Like the music has this sort of classic thriller Hitchcockian feel to it. Sure. Did you yeah. get that at all? Or no, I definitely did. It had like this. Yeah, for sure. It did. The score was, yeah. Really like cool. it was, it was uh, it sounded actually orchestral and not like a keyboard interpretation of strings like which which is mostly what you get now right uh so uh really just uh, aside from the story it's just great filmmaking great acting this just hits on 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 every on every level well there you go guys and uh yeah definitely check this out and um hopefully uh you guys are turned on to this thing. I, I, me and Jeff obviously love this movie, so hopefully you guys can enjoy it as well. Yes, please, if you haven't watched it. Uh, hopefully, if you've gotten to this point in the podcast, you have watched it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, we, if we've convinced anyone to watch this, I'm, I'm very happy because it is 
a I, I, I well, I guess one of the best ever. This is a great movie. I'll, I'll be watching this till I die. You know, every couple of years. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care now. Bye, everyone. <laughs>